Fire Tribe, where you at? I hope you're ready, rising from the ashes and it's getting heavy Conspiracies, we got plenty and some are scary From aliens to Bigfoot, extraordinary, yeah, yeah Danunaki Dan and the homie Romy I was bugging out, all the crazy things he showed me Jesus bloodlines to the stars in the skies Always a good time, vibing with the fire tribe Hey, So wake up, wake up, get it cracking Rise out the ashes, I know you got a passion Kick off the combo with theories, many conspiracies Other dimensions, plenty ancient history Fire tribe, where you at? Wake up we about to get into it, I know you can't get enough At home, at work, it don't matter, turn it up Rising from the ashes, you know what's up Ay. Uh, Rising from the ashes Hello everybody Welcome to Rising from the Ashes It is I, Homie Romy With a very special episode today and something that we are trying to promote to you, beautiful fire tribe of friends and a family. We started a Patreon so that we can support ourselves on this journey, on this podcast journey, this research rabbit hole, the goodness of continuation. It's a passion for us. It is a lifestyle for us, and it is so much more and beyond all of that. And to help ourselves continue to continue to continue to continue to continue, we have a platform on Patreon where Dan and I will have our individual shows where we will be releasing special episodes on Patreon. Now we're trying it out. This is going to be an example of the kinds of episodes you will find there. My show is called Expanded Understandings. And we go deep and we go hard. Everything from esoteric health, mental wealth, occultic breakdowns, hermetic understandings, and so much more. We will do video presentations on there. We will have great, deep, loving conversations. And we would love it if you join us over there. Either way, if you don't, we are still going to put out four episodes a month with themed months. All this year, we're going to have different months of different themes so we can go deep and hard into those topics for that month. And then we'll end it and cap it off with a roundtable. Some of our favorite fellow podcast friends and some fellow researchers, authors, and however Else, we will get the people onto the roundtables to even have a deeper one, deeper understanding. Also, a great thing about the Patreon is we want to be able to have a very close, intimate relationship with the people that enjoy what we create and enjoy what we're trying to produce. And we're not here trying to, you know, just bag up all of the riches and, and take, take, take and all these things. No, we give. It's a balance. It's an understanding. I pay and subscribe to many content creators. I started off with meeting Dan through the THC membership feed. And that's how we met. And so the synchronicities continue onwards after that. So this is an understanding of deepening our 
understandings, expanding our understandings to how we get to navigate through life. And life is so many tunnels, so many electrical neurons constantly firing, creating. We want to connect the left and the right hemisphere to create unison, to have full ascension and transformation. And on together the journey, we rise from the ashes. And we are the phoenixes. Each and every one of us are so very fucking important and special. And so through this, we want to be able to create a club, a platform, a tribe, something where we can come together and create all together. We are all rising from the ashes. We are all the podcast. It is not just Dan and I. We listen and and try to take as much as we can from everybody that we know and love, which is every one of you. If you are listening, we love you. Okay? So anyways, enough of that. Schmickety, bickety, flippity, flop. Rickety, 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 rock. When I'm chilling and I do the damn thing, I never stop. Because it's like that. And everybody want to fight back. But I ain't getting no motherfucking tension from the top. Because I go when I, like a rock. Yeah, it's like that. Motherfuckers know that. I hold up. I get it. I spit it. I do it like, whoa. Anyways, <clears throat> I'm sorry about that. That happens from time to time in, uh, in, in Roman realm. Anyways, um, we have a great interview today with a queen, Beth Martins. Um, you know, it's just nice to talk to people who have a large amount of energy in their passions. Um, Beth Martins is great. She has is a shining example of, of uh, you know, you can quit your day job. You can, you can actually rely on yourself to create things for yourself. The inner power is there. And through the social engineering, we can break these walls of social engineering, not through social engineering, but because of social engineering, there has been walls and insecurities, massive amounts of fleets built up around us, our souls, our psyches, um, our true true unshelled consciousness. And, uh, and yeah, so we have a great conversation about archetypes and so much more. Get a little deep, get a little personal. Um, this was going to be a Patreon only feed, but figured we might as well just drop it here and now, um, with you beautiful humans. And, um, I will also by the end of today have our first Patreon episode up and then it will continue, uh, weekly after this. So uh, you know, we love you. This is great. I know I said it once. I'll say it again. I love you. Love, love, love. Unconditional love is the main, mainstream, main, steady heartbeat, BPM, Schumann resonant situation of life. Granted, with all the fuckery that is happening on societal level, the deep penetrating hum of unconditional love still exist. And through smiles and through breath and through connecting ourselves to the Earth's electromagnetic grid, we will have happiness and we will have fulfillment. All of these beautiful things, my friends. So I'm going to keep it short and steady. Um, RFTA news. I hear. Let's do it. F to the T to the A to the news, baby. Was good. Yeah. News you could trust. 
Angel Dust. Here's what we got today. A Serped, the introduction of a book titled Hollow Earth by author David Standish. What do Sir Edmund Halley, Cotton Mather, Edgar Allan Poe, Jules Verne, L. Frank Baum, Edgar Rice Burroughs, Adolf Hitler, Admiral Byrd, Flying Saucer Superman, Mount Shasta, and Pat Boone all have in common? If you answered the hollow earth, you're way ahead of where I was before I started looking into this. Like most kids of my time, I first encountered the idea that the earth might be hollow in Verne's A Journey to the Center of the Earth. Even though he seemed to take forever to get down there because my tastes were resolutely low. Tending toward rock and roll and science fiction as a teenager, I also read several of Edgar Rice Burroughs' Pelicudar novels and wild adventures in a prehistoric world beneath Earth's crust. Starting in the middle with Tarzan at the Earth's core. As an undergraduate at Miami University in southern Idaho. (laughs) Sorry, that's hilarious. As an undergraduate at Miami University in southern Idaho, I lived for a while in a dorm named for John Cleve Sims, an early prominent settler in the area, and learned that he had a namesake nephew, a veteran of the War of 1812, who devoted the last years of his life to proselytizing for an expedition to the North Pole, where he expected expected to find a vast opening leading to the Earth's interior, which he believed was hollow and contained a unspoiled paradise just waiting, well, to be spoiled. And then in a grad school post-seminar, I found that he liked Sim's peculiar idea enough to use it as an ending for one of his short stories. Talking about Edgar Allan Poe, by the way. Miss Founds in a Bottle, and as a motif in his only published novel, the narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym, years pass. I'd stuck all this vital information into a corner of the attic I call my brain and pretty much forgotten about it, just as I figured the rest of the world had since everyone knows that it's not hollow, right? Wrong. While surfing around on the internet, I found a couple years ago that I came across a website for a newsletter called the Hollow Earth Insider, along with much else. It turns out the idea is still alive and well, at least among a cadre of fringe devotees. Yoo-hoo! Dash me, baby! Not a few claim they make regular astral travel visits inside where they find a new age civilization of peaceful vegetarians. Type the phrase hollow earth in your favorite search engine and prepare to be amazed at the amount of material that turns up. Google produced 2,100,000 hits the last time I looked. The hollow earth has a long history. Right down to the present, the idea has been used again and again, changing and evolving in ways that suit the needs and concerns of each succeeding time. 
Virtually every ancient culture worldwide and most religions has shared a belief in some sort of mysterious subterranean world inhabited by strange and powerful creatures right beneath our feet. These underworlds were a myriad. The Sumerians believed that in a vast netherworld they called Kigal. In Egypt, it was Duat. In Greece and Rome, Hades. In ancient Indian mythology, it was Naraka. Certain schools of Buddhism believed in a worldwide subterranean labyrinth called Agartha. In Japan, it was Jikoku. And the Germanic people called it Helheim. The Inca people called it Ucapacha, and the Aztecs, it was Mictlan, and to the Mayans, Mitnal, and of course to the Christians, it's good old hell. Toward most elegantly by Dante in the 14th century in his Inferno, the near university of these underworlds isn't surprising. They're dark. They're the dark terrain of the unconscious given tangible form and structure, embodiments of the boogeyman who ran howling through our nightmares when we were kids. But such mythic religious ideas started to take on a scientific cast in the 17th century, beginning with English astronomer and mathematician Edmund Halley, best remembered for his famous comment, Halley's comment. Sorry, I may have been saying Halley, but it might be Halley. Who knows? There's two L's, so... He gave us our first scientific theory of hollow earth and this formulation consisting of independently turning concentratic spheres down there, one inside the other. Holly arrived at this notion where he presented the prestigious Royal Society of London to account for observed variations in Earth's magnetic poles. His true imaginative leap, however, lay in the additional thought that these interior spheres were lit with some sort of glowing luminosity, and that they might be well able to support life. Generations of science fiction writers have been thankful to him for this ever since, although the distinction between hollow and riddled with subterranean labyrinths is sometimes unclear. I call it cavernous, personally. I have learned as much possible toward truly hollow, and so haven't discussed such popular underground realms as Alice's Wonderland or Tolkien's Middle Earth. They have been looked at again and again anyway. What I have tried to do here is trace the permutations on Haley's idea from his time down to the present. The story weaves in and out of literature, and what passes for real life and veers over into the charmingly delusional more than once. It includes writers major and minor, scientists, pseudoscientists, religious visionaries, and cranks, explorers, evil dictators, new agers, scam artists, and the comic book characters. One thing I found fascinating was the hollow earth idea's continuously elasticity Continuing elasticity. It has been equally useful in the late 17th century scientific theory, an expression of early 19th century manifest destiny, a vehicle for mid 19th century musings in paleontology and Darwinism, late 19th century religious utopianism, Teddy Roosevelt style imperialism, 
and perfect creepy vehicle for 1950s Cold War paranoia, and a cozy home for a dreamy contemporary New Age utopias. There have been many books recently about important ideas and commodities that have changed the world. This one, I am happy to say, traces the cultural history of an idea that was wrong and changed nothing, but which has nevertheless had an ongoing appeal. So that is the intro to the book Hollow Earth by David Standish. I hope you found it swell and well. I hope you check the book out. And I hope you expand your understanding of Earth as we know it. Because there are lots of theories as to what this planet realm is. And it's up to you to truly listen to your intuition. So the intro of this um, interview, uh, Dan was actually there and a part of it. Uh, He jumped in for a little bit. And then he exited the interview because he had uh, things to attend to um, and then fucked up the entire intro. So then we jumped back into it. Now that original intro was gone. And so luckily it was only about five minutes into the conversation, um, maybe less. And so it starts off right into the meat. So um, after the song, you will find that, uh, that, yeah, so that it's just right there, right? Boom, pop. Slip, slip, slap, diggity, dig, 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 dog. Dig, dog was a game in 1980-something in Atari, man. Oh, my God, at the roller skate rink, you was playing dig, dug and made you think about the hollow earth because digging and dugging inside, I'm trying to find God, living and loving a lie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, real quick on hollow earth, um, uh, craterous earth, expanding earth uh, is... Earlier, I said I fuck with cavernous earth, right? Well, I fuck with expanding earth. Earth is a celestial body that I believe grows and is morphing in size, whether it grows and shrinks, whether it hits a threshold uh, to its maximum size potential and then shrinks after that, um, you know, what have you. Um, but there's alchemical properties that are constantly happening. Um, Inside Earth, you know, there is gold being created. There's 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 mineralization. There's crystallization. There's there's alchemical reactions happening in Earth's crust, right? Um, and so, if there was a hollow Earth and there was ancient beings that that loved conductive materials, and they found a place where they could harness as much you know, of these conductive materials, be surrounded by it, be surrounded by amazing ethereal electromagnetic energy, then why wouldn't they just set up shop there and leave the crust to, you know, to do what it does? So, you know, that's a common theory, right? There's reptilian people living inside the earth. Well, you know what? Fucking, fucking shit might be right. Anyways, um, I always got to always got to do the little spindle outs there, my friends. Um, You're great. Yet again, enjoy this episode today with Beth Martins.
Yeah, it is intensely suppressed because that's the power that we have. And that's the power that our controllers don't have. The the deeper and darker you go in and towards the satanic forces, they don't have creative energy. It's it's actually a vacuum of creative energy. Mm-hmm. And so the, all they can do is take our creations and manipulate them, turn them upside down, pervert them, invert them. And uh, and it's always my cure, you know, to to uh, whatever kind of state I'm in. If I feel like I'm at the mercy of other people's forces, then it's I know it's time for me to create and just get down into doing my own work. That's uh, beautifully self fulfilling in that respect. That you know, I I'm creating work for other people to heal and deprogram and let go of whatever holds them back and sits on top of their love and creative energy. And then it makes me do my own work when I'm leading other people. Otherwise I have no credibility with myself. And so that's beautiful. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's how I got myself out of a pickle. As soon as the pandemic hit, it was very tempting to just quit right? Because I saw the writing on the wall. Some of us were already hip to all of those tricks as I'm sure you were. We could see where it was headed, and uh, it's not good. And and the, you know it's really lockstep over here in in Canada, especially. So oh. uh, instead of laying down to die, I got high speed into creation. I started a coaching certification program because up until that point, I'd only been helping people and coaching people with this work. And it was at that point when I decided that there needs to be more people out there who have access to helping other people with this work. So that's really exciting. I'm in my third round of the Journey Code Coaching Certification. And it's super exciting just to get in there. I feel like it's a a haven for me to go and spend time there instead of fighting the perpetrators that I've also spent a lot of time with this year, including lawfully. Yeah, that's I mean, that's that's an absolutely beautiful thing. So that's something that's kind of, you know, upon us with this with this, you know, pandemic situation is, you know, people are getting the choice to either uh, to step away and to create and to save people, save themselves, save their energy, save the energy that we need to save this, the energy Mm -hmm. that's, that's being suppressed. And then. On on the slight hand of that, you have people digging in harder to their work because they feel like that's the only thing that will save them is more work, more work, more money, more. Oh, you got to dig in harder. Like stay that, stay true to, you know, everything before so everything can go back to normal. Um, but but obviously, no, normal uh, was never normal, and the new normal that they are uh, um, recreating um, is a technocratic takeover. So it's mm-hmm. it's it's tough. Um, but your specific work is is powerful, um, and I, I want to get into the archetypes here because you know I have a general understanding of archetypes. It's kind of just like a subject group of people and a specific like like-minded personality or trait. Um, but what, what kind of archetypes do you specialize in and, and that you want to talk about today? Yeah. So uh, archetypes for me, it's, it has been a study of uh, like mostly an in, inward journey because I can't just go and read, for example, Carl Jung or some of the other, and, and I, it's not that I haven't read, I, I mentioned Carolyn Miss and, um, 
the other author, I'm probably not going to remember her name at, at the, it was it Carol Pearson, I believe something like that. So I, I will read other people's work, but not to, go, not to find information. It will be more to confirm what I've learned inside myself or to see the, if there's a contrast and, you know, what's the nature of the contrast after the fact. But uh, to me, it was all an inward journey to discover. Uh, there, there probably was a time where I would have spoken about archetypes like they were entities, like they had a life mm. of their own. But I really don't feel that to be the case anymore. I think when you call on archetypes, you can open yourself up to em- entities that are not uh, really having anything to do with those archetypes. You just make holes in yourself every time you call on anything but God. Mm. And uh, so how I see them now, and this is how I wrote about it in my book, Journey, is that they are a, a kind of lens of God, and they are the reason that, you know, that, uh, I'll back up a little bit, that when we look out into the world, it seems like chaos, and it, because we have so many, or, you know, I don't know how many people that are out there devoted to increasing the chaos, but there's a lot of it out there. It seems Mm -hmm. you could easily uh, miss the fact that the world is highly ordered. Uh, Where does order come from? It comes from the creator. And it's not just a random mess of everything. Everything can be broken down. You can see it's like five simple elements. And there's, uh, you know, through the the study, little bit of study of alchemy, I'm not an, uh, an expert by any means, but just seeing that everything has its place in nature. And so mm-hmm. you can use that nature to follow, you can follow order that way to, to get clues, to get breadcrumbs on the path. I call them divine breadcrumbs, just for lack of a better <laughs> word to say it. And, uh, and then so the archetypes are something that in and of themselves, they have no life, but you bring them to life by choice, by expressing through them. You said earlier just about expression. And uh, so then you have the opportunity to do that, but you also very much have the choice not to express through your archetypes. So some people are, are really beautifully, um, you know, for example, when I meet an artist, they often speak very clearly through archetypes without even knowing, like they may not know about archetypes, but they're still speaking clearly through them. People who are self-expressed, who are willing to go out and actually do life rather than they sit and think about it or only uh, study other people's versions of life when they are brave enough to go on their hero's journey. The hero's journey, by, by the way, being uh, you know, an archetype of archetypes because everybody is going through the same hero's journey. Either they're accepting a calling or they're refusing the calling. Both positions keep you on that hero's journey. And then the um, the nature of how we came to Earth, which I can't prove any, but I think you know, given the fact that everybody is so unique, and that there's no two humans, no two cats or bunnies or trees or any kind of cre- cre- uh, creation of God that is the same, it gives rise to an infinite uh, volume of variety, and nature thrives on variety. Uh, you know, and if I just had to guess mm-hmm. about what what is this about? Why why is everybody so different? It's because we all have a different contribution to make to the greater good, and that's the whole thing about archetypes that it leads you to 
how are you wired? What are you wired to do? How are you wired to serve and contribute to not all of humanity necessarily? It's often a mistake I think that people make, but to uh, to your people, those that are calling you and waiting for you to get your shit together <laughs> and be able to either first overcome your own challenges and and then second turn around and help other people that are still suffering with those kind of challenges. And so the archetypes are like a like a tool on the most I say always say that on the most surface level what you're going to see the evidence of archetypes is going to be personality which is persona which is a kind of fiction that is a trapped place for mm-hmm. people but mm-hmm. at the but at the deepest part of it it is the soul's purpose. Uh, and it's not something that you're looking for. Okay, you know what? Literally, am I here to do? Along the way, you, you you get a lot of signs. Things will morph and change. There's been a huge evolution in my purposeful work, but I but I always feel that I'm inside my purpose in it, regardless of the the shape that it takes. So it's not so much looking for what's the thing I'm supposed to be doing. It's more the the direction that you are following from your soul's purpose rather than letting fear drive you. That's yeah, I I okay, I can definitely vibe with that. And um speaking on, you know, like the purpose, what you said about um, you know, the diversity being incredibly important to our to our existence here. I mean, it's no doubt. There's absolutely no doubt that that everything has to be specific to its individuality in order to create this beautiful picture in which we're able to see it wouldn't be any other way. The only way where it would be, you know, structured in that similar way is what we see with like AI and tech, where it's just going to be, you know, beep, boop, boop, zero, one, zero, one, everything's equal. Okay. There's a slight bit of alchemy going on, but it's, it's computerized and it's, it's teched. Um, but it seems like you know, within this realm, within this earth, within this goodness of life, this bubbleless atmosphere in that we have, that diversity is incredibly important. And that's that's to be reminded, you know, that that's to be shown again and again, because it's funny when you're on your spiritual journey, when you're just trying to figure it out, you know, no matter if you're, you know, 18 to 27 to 35, it doesn't matter what age, you will you we need things to keep coming back up in our lives to remind us you know like so, you know a 50 year old man who's been uh working on his you know uh um his you know relationship issues or his anger issues for so long can be told the same lesson and think that he knows it but until like it comes up again from somebody else in a different way from their perspective and it, and it, and it re- resonates with that person then you know, it's that, that, that lesson that is just always going, it's an always bubbling lesson and there's no end in my opinion. And, and the beginning I think was the end and it's just a fractalized within itself. But, um, I, I think, and let me ask you this, the purpose, our purposes our beautiful purposes that are plentiful, our plentiful, beautiful purposes are bigger than more than just people and, and humankind, if you will, but to our earthly surroundings. Um, to to give energy to all of the earthly surroundings, would you agree? 
Uh, yes, and I've spent the last year returning to the Bible's narrative around the you know creation and and purpose as well, and it's exactly in line with what you just said in terms of the um, you know we we are here, we have been given dominion over the earth. That's that's our our job. And dominion actually doesn't mean to rule over. It means mm-hmm, to take mm-hmm. care of, that we are responsible Caretake, for yes. it, right? Exactly. We, we've been given such great abundance. And then how are you going to manage it? Otherwise, it goes wild. It goes. It becomes unusable, unmanageable. And uh, and I love what you were saying b- before, by the way, just about the endless nature of it, the hero's journey. Uh, I position on a spiral that can either go up <laughs> or go down, <laughs> depending on where you're going. And you're absolutely yes, right. Yes. That, right? That you, if, if people are out there trying to get rid of their problems or you know pretend they didn't have a challenge in the past and hope that it's just behind them, then we're definitely destined to relearn that over and over again. And even when you take it on and you accept the calling of of learning that lesson, you're going to learn the lesson at many levels. It's going to come up again. And I always say the love the playing field is very level because when you're in your uh you know say uh lower energy or or just starting out and just going like okay God I'm coming uh, whether or or maybe you've been many many years accepting your calling and going through the trials and tribulations, your energy is going to be higher, but your problems will be more invisible. And uh, you know, compared to when you're you're starting out, you might have very big problems and and low energy, but it's very obvious where you need to do your work. So yeah, it's uh, it's a pretty pretty cool thing. That's interesting. So when you gave the picture of the spiral. For me, that kind of, I have this, I bring this up often on the show too. And and a lot of things, why I love doing the podcast since we started this one, it's therapy, right? Um, it's, I, it's, it's an amazing time for me and Dan and, and, and anyone who wants to join and listen and our guests to, to talk and, and talking is therapy. It's a beautiful, beautiful symbiotic thing that we have. But when you, when you, uh, yeah, well, said the um, spiral. You know, oh, sorry, what was that? Cut out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it's cutting out. There's a frozen Uh-oh. screen I've got here. I live uh, in uh, on a farm in Northern California up in the hills, and we are far from civilization, so my Wi-Fi is kind of spotty. I do apologize. Yeah, I wonder if you turn your camera off, if that will save some of the bandwidth. Oh, let's see. Hope so. Um, yeah, let's try it. Well, um, so the picture of the spiral for me, how I um, kind of like, we talked about entities earlier, right? And I'm wondering if now if this is entities or archetypes, but it's something within how I visualize the layers of consciousness that we have. Um, something that I call the, um, you know, the low bri- low vibrational shadow entity is this, um, I mean, you can almost picture it just like a shadow or, you know, um, I, I don't like to use the word like demon or demonic force because I feel like that's, there's a specific time and place for that type of verbiage, right? But this energy that comes over the voices, the voice in your head, the narrative in your head, that when it's 
when it's dark, it's dark. And it's, it's a lot of time derived from sex. There's like a lust, sex energy, dark shadow that comes and kind of like breathes on you as a man, right? I'm speaking this specifically from my experience, you know, like I've had to battle with these, like, you know, like, you know, like lust things. And it's, it's this darkness that comes over me and I don't, I don't like it and I don't enjoy it and, um, or, or alcohol or drinking and, and things that like, that would put you in a low vibrational state. Um, but when I visualize the spiral in which you were talking about, like Kundalini energy, almost this, you know, you can lay down, it's easy to lay down and allow the shadow entity to just kind of overtake you into autopilot mode. And then you standing up as you're just, you're here in the present the here and now standing up, the work to just stand, breathe and be present is there and you're kind of neutral. But to go up the spiral and up the energetic force to 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 enter that higher state of consciousness or the God connection and the goodness with that is work. And it's 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 work, but you don't get to just stand up and have it. You have to stand up and climb and walk towards it. Or you you stand and you sit and you lay down and allow the the, the shadow entity to come at that point. And, um, you know, I've, I've experienced it firsthand and, I, and I'm, I'm always wondering, I'm like, am I crazy? Like, why, why do I visualize these things so intensely? And why do I feel these things so intensely? And, you know, it's, 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 it's interesting and it's energetic. And I'm wondering if it's archetypes. Well, interesting. Yeah. So many things that you said and, uh, good for you that you're exploring it because it's a, can be a, a dark experience at uh, times, but the knowing that the light is always on the other side of the dark, that's just a, a, a rule. And I've, I've said that trying to figure out, trying to say, okay, God, well, why did we come with all of these senses and these inner experiences and this body? Like, what's this all for? I'm always a kind of why, why, why inside myself. And, uh, and I saw at one point that the whole of the human experience is a door to freedom, to that lightness, to the, to knowing exactly who you are. That's what nearly dying showed me. I, I, it, it showed me, it gave a window into it. I still have to every single day know that for myself, it wasn't a done deal, but, um, the, the parts of yourself, especially that you can't feel, are going to try to capture your attention through some kind of pain, discomfort. Uh, if if your pain and discomfort doesn't get your attention, then it's going to be outward circumstances that are going to bring your awareness to something that's not in alignment. And um, so then they're meant to be gone through. And most people will start to feel it. And then they're going to run the other direction because it is so uncomfortable that you're actually facing, you know, what's at the heart deep down, all of that pain is generated by the fear of not surviving, right? We're infected by a death cult. We live in a death cult. Everything that we're surrounded by, everything that we're being attacked by, the whole um, system of commerce and debt and sin, it's all making us uh, believe, first of all, that we are these evacuated beings that need to be filled up with something when in reality, it's the other way around. We are full mm. of experience, right? 
and and then having the bravery or the guidance or whatever the the bad circumstance that's going to motivate you that's where I was at when I was dying of cancer because you know I was facing my death already had nothing to lose may as well go into that darkness into death wow. itself let death have me i had a near death experience i went into it i surrendered to it and not only did i not die i actually you know brought me into depths of uh greater awareness than i'd ever been of my purpose here of how i am intimately tied and connected to certain people and uh and and who i am the nature of death itself it was i saw that it was a lie that what i was afraid of wasn't actually there my body could have completely passed but death wasn't what i thought it was it wasn't to be feared and so that's it's always an invitation whatever's going wrong in your life is an invitation i'm glad to remind myself right now about this even it's an invitation to go inside it and and uh and see that it holds no power over you to see that you actually have immense amount of control over it because you're generating it i'd love to touch on something that you brought up also about uh demons versus shadow i do believe they are two different things although dealing with them is identical so that's a, a beautiful part of it that everything's rigged in our favor here it's all meant you know that that pain or bad circumstances are not meant to set you back they're they're just showing you where is that stuck energy where can you go and reclaim that energy or just simply stop suppressing it so that it can yes. move freely <laughs> freely moving energy is magic and uh i do I really do believe there are uh, such things as demonic attacks. I've had many of them, especially in the last year. I feel like the the further I go on my path trying to do good, the more attacks that I've received. Uh, but at the end of the day, when you approach a shadow or a demon, it's good not to call the shadow the demon because the shadow is just simply what you're not aware of. Right. It's, it's, it's got an innocence to it. It's, it's got, it's got no evil volition Not of its own. Not a lot own. of light shined in that area. Exactly. It's, it's hidden from you. It's in your unconscious. You can't see it. And that's why it's so difficult when you're dealing with the mysteries of the unconscious to make any, uh, have any breakthroughs or like when I was fighting for my life, I could not see what was killing me was doing all the right things by that point, eating all the right food. And I was juicing high speed and I was seeing a counselor and I was getting homeopathy and I was getting uh, a number of medical treatments, which I tried. They nearly killed me, even though I was trying to avoid that. And, uh, and so it was finally just to see like, what is the seed inside myself? What is that that is, is uh, pulling life out of me without my, um, my um, conscious consent. What I have come to see after studying the law, also there's a lot of parallels between the un the work of the unconscious and the archetypes and and the world of law. Why are we in trouble in the way mm -hmm. we are? Because we have tacitly agreed to things and never uh, taken it. And you said it before. It's it's a lot of work, right? You have control over things, but if you don't Constant. do the work. Right, and you don't assume responsibility and grow up in ways that you might not want to. I certainly didn't want to myself. Then you're going to remain in that trap of feeling like things are just happening to you. And uh, yeah, dealing with demons, it's actually very simple. It's the same work as releasing a shadow. 
once you're aware of it, just, uh, you know, doing the work of letting go of the fear. And you probably know it already. Fear feeds the demons. That's what they want from you. If they can scare you and put you in a compromised position where you're on the defense, then they start to eat your energy. They, they thrive on that. They love conflict. If there's trouble going on, you can bet that there's uh, some kind of demonic thing there but on the on the much more benign side is just simply what you don't see about yourself that can act like a demon or act like your enemy just to get your attention right it's it's innocent it's just like hey i'm over here and your purpose is to be fully awake and self-aware to embrace the the whole of your nature uh i don't want to by the way mistake that for anybody listening that the uh, very often this work is twisted to say that that the you know the the light and the shadow uh, must exist together that there is a justified and bona fide place for um, you know shadow for darkness for demons for evil and that's definitely not what I'm saying because the moment you shine light on the darkness it's not dark anymore. So I don't talk about embracing the darkness and integrating the darkness and bringing the darkness in and celebrating the darkness. It's that's to me that that is a much more satanic approach and twist of this work. Yeah. So it's, it's really about seeing through the illusions when you think when you think something about yourself is so dark and you bring it to the surface and you let any you know, shame or embarrassment or who knows what you've got around that. You let all that go. And it's, I look back at it and I see, oh, big fat nothing. There was nothing there. Just a bunch of smoke and mirrors that I have created for myself out of fear. And and yes, there's a lot of programming weaponized against us. There's no doubt about that. But you're always ever dealing with the same beast. So I don't know if that's, that's a lot. And and you're talking about the lust. This is something also that it, it's, um, you know, it, it's a door it's to be meant, meant, it's meant to be gone through. A lot of people get stuck in lust because it's higher than apathy. It's higher than grief. It's higher than fear. And so they, they, and, and you start to want something compared to those lower energies again, where you're always just feeling like you're under attack. Wanting will feel more, more, um, <clears throat> it has more energy, it has a higher vibration than, than the apathy, grief, and fear, but you're, you're still, uh, have some roads to travel, right? To get through that lust, to go through the anger, to go through the pride, and even the high emotions of courage, acceptance, and peace, they are all doors. They're not in an, of themselves freedom, their doors to freedom. But the higher energy that you get, the easier it is to deal with the uh, the lower energy and the programming underneath it. So that's a lot just threw out at you. <laughs> yeah, no, but it all it all resonates too. And it's interesting because, you know, there's a big um there's a big web out there that's that's that kind of like within the truth seeking community or the you know, you want to call it the hippie community for lack of a better term or whatever, um, that to, you know, to have the darkness right there and, and to, to, to just let it be and understand it and know it, but not necessarily, you know, walk away from it or, or what have you. I, I, I agree with you, your stance on that wholeheartedly because, um, it's, it's incredibly, incredibly powerful 
and supremely powerful to gain that energy of of that mystery of like okay there's this demon there's this shadow there's something there within your consciousness that is in fact your consciousness right we may have mm-hmm. a collective consciousness and we may have that pool of energy but it is yours and so when there's something there that is unknown to know it is power knowledge is power 100% and so it's incredibly important to always do that. And the harder it is, probably the more power you gain from that. And I go with that. And it kind of reminded me of this uh, this really cheesy, hilarious, strange show um, that's like a 15-minute episode on Adult Swim. It's called Dream Corp LLC. Um, I just I don't really watch a lot of TV, but it was I really like artful types of you know cinema and and stuff like that and short films and they they it's like this really quirky doctor that has this podunk run uh uh lab where he brings people in and he hooks them up to a machine and they go into their dream and it's then it's at this point it's animated um very psychedelic colors you know it's a pretty psychedelic show that's definitely what they were going for in that umbrella of quote-unquote psychedelic um, which is really just, you know, conscious thought and uh, uh, alternative thought, really. Um, and they they deal with that specifically because they're going into people's dreams and like, you know, nightmares. And, and a lot of them are very real. These are real things people will be feeling in the realm. You know, it's it's very real. But in that, the doctor is, is always trying to have them go and face it and then fight the monsters in their dreams. And the power that happens from that is always beautiful. Um, but it's, it's, I mean, compared to work and stress and money and all these strange Babylonian physical things that exist that we consider to be hard are nothing compared to dealing with what is on the darkness of the consciousness. Mm-hmm. You got it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Once you've had that uh, ability to take it head on. That's uh, a metaphor that I use a lot about the the bison. The bison used to roam the the prairies here and where I live in Canada, and uh, and they know somehow to run into storms instead of running away from them, because it's simply the fastest way to the other side, right? And that's that's it's a, a perfect metaphor for where we're at. If you if you go into the energy that you don't like, that you would much rather, you know, there's a sort of a knee jerk, habitual pushing away from anything that's uncomfortable or painful. But if you have that ability and it's a training, you build a habit with it, and you and you the the memory of getting to the freedom on the other side of it every time is what was, pulls you forward. Because otherwise, running into the storm is more uncomfortable than running away from it in the initial stages, right? Like you feel that pain more directly. You're more consumed by it. It, uh, There's often a feeling of just letting it have me. And very quickly, the suffering is reduced because a lot of the pain is in pushing it away. The effort that it takes to try to change or control it or get away from it is released back into your system. You're not doing that anymore. Your energy goes up and it gives you that courage to keep going however big the wave of of what you don't want is you know sometimes it's literally a matter of seconds to get through something that promised to be huge and uh, i've also been stuck in things like that for 
a couple of hours, a couple of days, even in the most extreme, a couple of weeks where there's a river of death. You know, when I've gone through losing um, my both my parents to cancer, for example, in, in, the, in the recent years and the bigger things in life that bring you face to face with death, of course, they're going to bring more up in you. The pandemic has been wow for bringing up fear and uh, giving cause for the, the all the shit to come up. But in the end, if you choose it, it's a gift because if that stuff doesn't come up and out of you, it remains in the unconscious. It remains having power over you as if it's just you having negative power over yourself. But this way you can go through and, and harvest it and go much quicker. So I'm a, I'm a, a, fee, a, a fan of speed. Right. We have limited time. <laughs> it's not to scare anyone or make you feel panicked. That's certainly not going to help at all. But what is the most efficient way through something that promises to be big can often be just like, wow, that was a big fat nothing in less than a minute. Right. Even demonic attacks. I don't, it, it doesn't take even a whole minute to deal with them now that I have the technology. And uh, we have so much more control over our inner experience than we were ever led to believe. This should all be stuff we're taught in kindergarten. You're not at the mercy of your feelings. The purpose of them is to go through them and to see who you are on the other side, right? The the thing that makes it so tricky is that the, all of the thoughts and the feelings do have a deeper layer of unconscious programming. And uh, I studied with the students of Lester Levinson, who was someone in the 1950s who was dying of cancer. Uh, pardon me, he wasn't dying of cancer. We were. And um, he was dying of a double heart attack. He had a lot of big wins and losses in his life. And he was a genius, an engineer. He could figure out a whole bunch of stuff in his head at, at the level of logic. But here he was dying. The doctor said, okay, go home, get your affairs in order. You're done. But because of his will to live, his intelligence, he started to work on, okay, like what actually is causing this death? And his answer was all of his non-loving inner experiences. So that sounds kind of flaky, but <clears throat> if it's not love, it's some kind of fear, right? It's either love is that which gives life and energy, fear is that which consumes life and energy. So he went to work letting go of all of those things that weren't a match for love. He discovered in the process three core programs. There's actually four, but the, the three is, is enough to get you going on the path. The fourth is not irrelevant, but it's often confusing. So, so it's often talked about as three. And you know the, the, the first is the program unconsciously running that says, you don't have the love and approval of others. Therefore, you need to go out into the world and get that. You lack it, that you need to fill up with it. The second program is you don't have control over your life. You lack that, you need to go and get it outside of yourself. Mm. That often adds up to trying to control others, trying to engineer circumstances, but all fear-driven. So you, you're never actually satisfied, even if you manage to control somebody else or or yourself. And then the third one is the is the kicker. It says that you lack life itself that you're disconnected from life, that you need to do everything you can to fill yourself up with life so that you don't die. And this is the big hook. And that's why we can be plandemic 
That's why all they need to do is uh, to whisper in your ear or yell on the radio or whatever is like, you're going to die if you don't go and get this poison jab. And everyone lines up to get the poison jab. The very thing that will compromise their health and their life in in a body, right? And and we're not here to protect our bodies at all costs. Every single body dies. That you know, out for all the protection, the lifelong running from death, it still catches you. So by going through it, I personally see that the the thing to protect is our soul. That is the much longer living thing that will persist if there are lifetimes, I can't prove that. I don't know, but it's it's the thing to work for. It's a thing to uh, to um, honor, protect, to love. I feel the 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 body and the soul are in a love affair, but they're not they're not inseparable by any means. And uh, so then the the task becomes more clear. And I've I've had to come to places where you know I'm taking risks in my work, as as you mentioned with the King Heroes Journey podcast, and you pronounce that perfectly. By the way, <laughs> it's funny how people uh, get you. messed up on that one. Yeah, uh, that I, I'm I'm definitely risking being seen, being heard, as you are by by speaking the truth that I know, by hosting guests that are themselves outspoken and uh, risking being, for, for sure, risking losing the approval of others. That's why I call them king heroes. They're willing to take that risk. Uh, they are going to assume responsibility and control for much more than just themselves. And if it comes to it, if, if, it, if they're going to threaten your life over it or threaten somebody that you love you know that you love your your child or somebody that's close to you someone you value they're going to threaten that then you have to actually be willing to die for the truth right that's that's the, that's the yes, very yes. deep calling and I have faced great loss for speaking out. My family, you know, they haven't totally written me off now if, after just about two years. Uh, there's a little bit of text here or text there or maybe a message on Instagram or something like that. But uh, I was definitely demonized and cast out of my family. It was it was one of my bigger fears that definitely led to the the fear of not surviving. I, I went through it. I passed through it. I totally survived it. I'm fine. And you have to just keep proving to yourself that that stuff has no power over you. Oof, that's heavy, um, but also so true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's you, you uh, yeah. I, I've, I'm, I'm an, ex- I, I, I consider myself an extremist from time to time uh, because, like, we're, you know, we're into alternative and fringe topics here on the show. Um, going against almost every single mainstream narrative that can be. And so, you know, um, I'm still widely accepted by my family and friends, but, you know, with a close, keen eye. And, uh, but as, as, as time unfolds, a lot of things are, you know, a lot of people are like, okay, now, yeah, we get it. Now, that makes sense. Oh, oh, the, <laughs> you know, uh, especially when it comes to like the transhumanist movement and all of that. Um, I even actually told my mother, I, I, I would, I would disown her and not talk to her anymore if she were to be on the side of voting for, uh, voting for Trump back in like 2016, or voting for anybody for that matter. Honestly, it, it's it's. I, I grew up um, where I grew up in a very like kind of you know very small American town, uh, you know, poverty, uh, and growing up with like not a lot of 
love for the government or for authority by any means at all, just seeing firsthand about how corrupt and strange and twisted the system is and how it seemed so up is down um, and smoke and mirrors left and right, especially with the media that they try to pump the children with constantly, you know, just thinking that kids need just constant entertainment through digital tech. Um, you know, like I, I jump back and forth between um, it even be necessary at all. Uh, but I think, you know, a lot of people have the argument of like, well, if they're missing out on it completely now, then, you know, they will not be a part of the times <laughs> to come and they will be a weirdo and an outcast. But I'm like, wow, well, I mean, that that's great, you know. But then you get kind of left with this, like, do we raise our children to be outcasts and warriors, quote unquote, and say, you know, save, save what they can and do what they can? Or do we try to, you know, hook them into at least some what of a societal norm and make their own decisions? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the most humbling time ever to be a parent. And uh, I, I hear you. It's, uh, I have no desire to cloister my kid, even if I could. You know, it's it, it it wouldn't work. Unfortunately, the, the he's fourteen <laughs> and has a pretty strong will. I'm still his parent and his guardian. I take that very seriously, and I don't subscribe to the new age thing like that. Oh, it's his choice, and he's got the free will, and he has to choose it. There's still a a contract that I hold with God to make sure this kid makes it to a place where he can truly be responsible for himself. But. Um, it's uh, it's not cut and dry. Again, very humbling path because you can have the best values and ideals and and sense of what needs to happen there, but you're you are dealing in a in a real world. Like my kid never liked school until the pandemic. Now he wants to go to school, right? Because they've made it his only point of contact. So it's a kind of torture. But Ooh, I noticed that's a yeah. that's an interesting conundrum right there, in my opinion. <laughs> Right, right. And if I had the support to uh, to just kind of muscle in and take him out of that scenario and create a different scenario for him, there's there's lots of opportunities in terms of uh, homeschooling or you know pod schooling that you can get kids together and and bring mentors to them and facilitate experiences that he will end up like way smarter if he was not in that in that public school system but uh, oh, but at this pod, point is pod learning not podcasting i i assumed it was just you know uh plug them in with a weekly supply of podcast uh, <laughs> there you go <laughs> uh, yeah, I just made that term up, but I but I feel like you know we're, there's so much uh, value in in decentralizing and c going into small groups and community. I always fantasize just to have ten like minded parent uh, parents. We get together and each parent take one tenth of the responsibility for facilitating kids learning. Not not to teach them. You don't need to sit down and tell them facts and make them memorize facts. It's, it's a bunch of BS. But what are the experiences they want to have? What edges are they willing to go to and, and push through to, to gain new mastery, uh, to have life skills, right? We, it's so confronting to see how we don't have the basics of life skills, right? We're so hooked into Babylon that that uh, quote unquote cares for us and and gives us benefits and privileges, but but uh, completely runs roughshod over our rights and our our God given existence that we could have. 
uh, very much feel like those of us who are not willing to participate in the violence of, of Babylon that it wishes on us that, that we are actually turning back to a, a life that is going to be much more like my great grandparents and my, the early life of my grandparents living on the land in community by your wits, uh, cooperating with God best as you can. Uh, you know, I, I have a big envy right these days for the geese that know to fly south out of Canada when it's like this. So we got uh, quite a climate ahead of us. But yeah, it's the the raising of children is something. It's it's not cut and dry, and it's a it's a day to day for the most part. The most powerful teaching that you can create is the example of your own life to be the person that you want them uh, to be or have the life that you are expecting them to have so that it has an attractive force, right? That it looks good to them at least. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times, I mean, (laughs) I think we can all, you know, if you've been a kid once, which you have, unless you just popped out within this new uh, paradigm shift that happened (laughs) recently within the last couple of decades, you don't appreciate your parents for what they are a lot of times, unless you're very special to somebody, but until you leave and until you go have some like hard life ships of your own, uh, you know, you go back and be like, wow, my mother was an incredibly strong, brave woman that was doing so much for me that I can't even try to come up with words as to, as, as to thank her and to, to, to do it. All I have to do is just do it myself and repay it back with just so much love. And it's, it is, it's such a beautiful blooming experience. Um, eh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. And then it's a pay it forward, uh, right? You can't, you can't expect anything from your kids. That's, that's a very wrong thing that uh, you're having them. So you could be filled up again, that nature of evacuation and the child is not here to fulfill your desires and your uh, needs. It's the other way around. Let's keep it straight. And then if there's an abundance in my, in my son because of what I've given him, then I hope he pays it forward you know, to his own children or his community or whatever it is. The toxicification that's involved in a... And the opposite of that, the opposition of that, where basically, you know, you can go into like, I'm going to touch them on some dark territories real quick, but, you know, say parents like uh, bringing their children to, you know, be in Hollywood or to be famous and things. And, you know, a lot of time the kid will want some stardom and the kid has talent. So they, that, that can be a part. But when the parents basically sell their children to these knowing and willing uh, people who have very questionable motives and who have, you know, this is before the Me Too movement and stuff, but within, you know, I, there, I'm just, it's the toxification that goes into parents disowning their children and selling them for, uh, for the lower, lower parts of their, their consciousness or the shadow demons, whatever. It's so, it's so scary that that, that, that happens. And it's, I, I've seen it happen and I've, I've heard so many stories and, uh, I, I'm just wondering what, what is going on to make that happen? Like what kind of trauma did those people have to experience to, to put their own kin through that? Yeah. I think you said it at the end there. It's what kind of trauma have they been through that cut up their consciousness into little bits and pieces where 
because parts of yourself, when, when you go through experiences and you don't have the ability to heal live time, you, you could potentially, if we were trained for that, we would do it. And if there was anyone to help us guide us in that direction, we would be able to do it. But probably not as a young child. You don't have the development. You don't have the ego or self-confidence to be able to go through through things. Even, uh, you know, I think of the uh, birthing my child. I had no experience. I had no context. I had to look to my doulas and like, is this okay? All this screaming? Am I doing good here? <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> this is off the map? Or, no, no, you're fine. You're fine. So I needed that little midwifing there to, to keep going. Uh, so then, yeah, people are, people are cut up. Their, their inner workings are dissociated from each other. They don't talk to each other. There's massive loss of energy in maintaining the fractures of consciousness. So you're, you are evacuating your life force. You're, Ooh. you're, uh, experiencing emptiness. And then, and then there's, like I said before, you're going to go out and try to fill that. And Hollywood is waiting any, any kind of, invitation to fame is an invitation that everybody's going to love you. And when everybody loves you, you're going to be wealthy, you're going to have control of your life, and you're going to survive, you're going to be much safer and sec more secure. It, it always promises, but never delivers. So when you get, say, a little bit of fame, and you're more empty than when you went into it, you think, oh, well, I need more fame or more money or more recognition or whatever it is. Uh, it turns you into a hungry ghost because every time you fill a void, you become more void, right? You, you when you when you eat to fill hunger at a psychic Oof, level, yeah. you become more hungry, right? That's the nature of addiction. That's why mm -hmm. when you keep feeding addiction, all it does is amplify. And so you need to go back and see where did you leave parts of yourself behind? This is the hero's journey work that I do, that there are some distinct stages on the hero's journey as I've seen them inside myself through archetypes. And, and then you'll hit stages of the journey where you cannot go further. There's, there's a wall in front of you and, and it's time to go back and clean up, especially this is the work of the alchemist, which is actually the last quote unquote last stage, which is really the beginning again, as you said. And, uh, and it's like, okay, well, now I'm, I, you know, I have, I have access to all of this, this, uh, power inside myself that God has given me. But I've got this full stop or this crash or something that I'm not able to go forward. It's time to go back and clean up and to recover myself from those fractures to bring myself into ultimately wholeness, which is where, to me, the full power that we're given can express. So I don't know if that answered your question. Wow. Uh, yes. <laughs> well, you know, there's, I think when it comes to a lot of these, uh, you know, these questions, which are about, you know, the, the, the cut up consciousness. I mean, that term right there is, it is, uh, oh, what's the term? It's, it's, it, it makes me shiver just hearing mm. that, you know, um, the cut up consciousness. It's not, I, I, it really does give me the willies. Um, and I think that's why there's large, um, large amounts of ener energetic and balance is because when you're uh, taking up so much of your energy throughout and we we do only have so much or i feel we have limitless amounts of energy but you you know 
to it's it's just like there's fuel you know you got to stop and refill it from time to time and there is a tank you know it can only run pedal to the metal but to just mend your heart to every day to to deal with the darkness that you have yet to to deal with in your life you know and that trauma it takes so much energy and that's that's why there's this i think in a large energy imbalance you know and um this kind of cognitive dissonance that comes with this stuff to you know our consciousness has been so cut up by the the terrible technocratic fucks that are fucking running everything and shredding our consciousness and our hearts and our spirits up and then once we get to such a point they can instill their plan um, and they can get a large population to jump on it because people don't have like the hope of 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 anything because of their just their consciousness is being just constantly just tattered with you know Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah, it's so simple. They're they're one trick pony with trauma based mind control, right? All they need to do is scare the crap out of you, yes. and yes. and then you'll do whatever they say that seems like the the safe thing. And it's Stockholm syndrome. We're li- literally looking to our perpetrators for safety, and uh, it's just not there. Uh, I also, you know, the what ends up happening is that really the perpetrators don't have to do much of anything because we're at war with ourself inside of ourself, right? When you've got those pieces fractured apart, they argue with each other, right? That uh, there's, there's literally a war going inside yourself, for example, with a masculine and feminine archetype, which hasn't really totally come forward in the pandemic yet. I swear they're going to, they're going to hit us with the, something more with this. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've done a lot of damage already in the Me Too movement and just really pitting men and women against each other. But then you have both archetypes operating. They're, they're, um, they're not even two archetypes, so it's wrong for me to call them both. They're two sides of the very same coin, and their superpower is wholeness. And that's, I've discovered a a great deal of healing inside myself. It's what inspired me to create the King Heroes Journey, uh, not just podcast, but all of the work and be able to work with men again. I only worked with women for for 15 years. I thought consciously because it was just a, um, you know, a natural business niche for me to to go in but i discovered there was this inner war it wasn't until my dad died that i saw it for what it is he was gone i wasn't at war with him anymore because he's not there and uh, i had to find those places inside myself that were still very much in in uh, a state of war once you resolve that inner conflict and you start being able to hold the uh, opposing forces to see the energy because that polarity is not is not wrong. Polarity is more the true nature of of what ends up happening with the split of trauma. So the polarity is good. You you want that strong polarity. That's power, right? That that energy yes, and absolutely. and yes, it can magnetic power, alchemical power. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And even if the forces are against each other, it's still power. And it, it can be uh, used and harvested and, and put towards good good purposes. Uh, so by dealing with the conflict inside, you become less and less um, scarable. I I think I coined the term. I bet I didn't. I'm sure someone else did. But uh, to be unfuckwithable, <laughs> right? Like you can't uh, fuck yeah, with me. Yeah, that's a t-shirt. That's a t-shirt. <laughs> 
Exactly, exactly. And this is, we live in a world of, uh, you know, we haven't talked about it yet, but I, I dove deep into the law this past year. We hosted the Choose Freedom Law Summit, myself and, and Matt Beller, another yes. podcaster. Uh, I started the Manitoba Lawful Action Group, and it's not because I'm the expert. I've only, I'm only a year into studying, but there is no community here uh, that is willing to gather. I'm I'm a connector. I don't mind bringing people together and keeping them together, and bringing guests in that have knowledge. And uh, you know, it's just been so much uh, conflict. Actually, has has arisen partly because there's a lot of different approaches. And then later in the game, I'm realizing, wow, this this arena has been flooded with controlled op. It has been highly influenced to get people to go some of the good way and then all of the way sideways or to outright just lie and combine up messages that look like they're coming from a, a true spiritual place in the Bible and the Christian faith, which I've, again, become very magnetized towards as I go further along. It's my ancestors were there. They were persecuted for being Christians, like their villages were burned and people murdered and massacred. They fled to Canada because of it. So I'm reclaiming some of my roots there. And where was I going with that? Uh, the, um, <laughs> yep, I forget. Sorry. <laughs> do, well, do you know what I, it I touches up on a couple of things in that that you brought up, like simultaneously. That I oh, yeah, was like conflict. basically yeah. gonna. Uh, no, I was gonna ask you. Well, I wanted to I definitely want to go into law because there's just so much on that that's incredibly interesting. As much as I do want to disconnect and feel that I need to, it's also incredibly important to connect and understand this, the, you know, the, the games that are being played. And I think understanding them well, part of the reason why I have a hard time jumping in is because I do slightly have some OCD and I love information and I start sucking up knowledge like a, you know, like a space vacuum, just information. But um, anyways, uh, I wanted to talk to you about this power of wholeness, uh, you know, and the and just go a little deeper into the masculine and feminine archetypes. And then I want to just go deep into as law that you want to go and, and share as much as you can and will on that subject. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, for sure. Yeah, the power of wholeness. It's that thing that is... Um, very elusive as an experience, which is which is too bad because it's the most natural experience. When even breaking out archetypes into bits and pieces of of the psyche, the purpose of doing that is is not to try to reflect reality because that's not reality. The the true nature of of who we are is whole. And I always joke and laugh to myself when I get to that place, the state of of wholeness. And I'm like, ha ha, I'm just one person. <laughs> Over here, I'm just one being, right? Like it's no bits and pieces, no inner arguments, no inner conflict and pushing and shoving and and inner warring and all of that kind of thing that that is a sort of more normal. I can't speak for everybody, but I think it's a, a more normal state if if I'm any indication. And uh, and it, inner warring and and in reality, all of the the so-called parts work together, I always return back to the, the simple wisdom that the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And you can't just add up all of your, say, you know, archetypes, which could be 
a multitude of them. They they naturally will cluster and work together. You, the separating out of them is just for the functional work of identifying what uh, a stuck place could be where where you're losing a lot of energy. But in reality, it's all working together. It's uh, you know all of nature when you, when you have a, a forest, everything from the microbes in the soil to the little the seeds trying to sprout and the plants in full bloom and the, the the dying ones dropping their seed and the the way that air moves through and water comes from below and above and it's it's intensely complex that's why you can't just go and plant a bunch of trees and call it a forest i'm sure you know <laughs> the way that right the way that we are uh uh, construct is 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 beautifully intricate, mind blowingly intricate in how everything would work together to create this Whoa, experience man. that we're having. It's it's practically a miracle. So so yeah, to find those places in your in yourself that feel uh, separate that 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 are causing discomfort, causing pain, that are detracting away from your ability to attend wholeness, to attend God, to love God, right? That's the source of the wholeness, the source of the creation. If you go right to that, that's my that's my new technique above everything right now is to love God. And I know it can sound either simplistic or, or uh, religious or something, but it made me realize how much... Uh, time goes by in a day that I'm not doing that. And even in a very low moment, in a, in a place where I feel like really down and, and defeated, I can have the memory, well, I wonder if I could just love God in this moment. And by doing that, there is uh, an instant sense of wholeness and and that um, everything is okay. Not, not the like, pulling the wool over your eyes or any kind of, oh, you know, pretending, trying to be positive, putting positivity on top of negative negativity. It's not like that. It is, it is truly the direct road to wholeness because that is the source of, of where it's all coming from. And, uh, and you can work with your parts. You know, if you see one archetype is arguing with the other archetype, how do you get them to have a conversation together? How can you pull up the, the experience that it's it's um, calling out of you. There are certain defaults that everybody has. You know, um, I'm less likely to get down into say you know grief about something, but I'm more likely to get mad about it. And so to to just see, okay, where is that default coming from? What's the programming underneath it? Is there an archetype associated with it? Can I can I uh, go through that war inside myself rather than going out to the world to create more conflict, which will otherwise happen? So I can get my own attention and to resolve that. You know, with the, the masculine and the feminine, this one has been turned completely inside out, upside down. We live in a world where yes, women yes, have been, I agree. right? Women have been encouraged to be more like men. All of the women that I worked with for 15 years were like king heroes. They were the ones getting out and taking the bigger risks, or at least trying to take the bigger risks, often failing because I think of the, the war between the, the masculine and, and the feminine, that they're, they're called to this much more masculine role. Maybe it's through being a single parent or just being brainwashed by society that says you need to be successful and you need to be out there uh, as a leader. You know, and that, that was the soapbox I was on for 15 years saying that women should take over the world. 
And I now consider myself to be a recovering feminist. <laughs> I've been, I've uh, been there. Absolutely. There you go. Uh, it, it's still very much out there, but, but, uh, healing the, the masculine and the feminine, sorry, my cat is having a, a little attack here. Oh, uh, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure he's got this down in the <laughs> Oh, it's a little sneezer. A little sneezer. Oh, we good, have a lot of cat butt. drama around here completely, I tell you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so it, it, what it's done is debilitated humanity. You get, you get the women trying to be men and the men feeling like they need to be more sensitive and more caring and more nurturing and, uh, you know, change the diapers and take the garbage out and plan meals, all of that kind of thing that is less, uh, less natural. There are certain roles that, that a, uh, a woman naturally fills. There are certain roles a man naturally fills. When they work together, the, the, the complementary nature is, is amazing. And I, you know, they split up men and women because that is a, a serious source of power when men and women work together yes. genuinely, Oof. right? And then between the masculine and feminine archetype inside yourself, it's the same thing. It would be a power generator if you didn't have that conflict with uh, with the, the the male and the female. The the extent to which you can be powerful in your masculine is is actually the, the extent to which you're able to face the feminine, right? They're gatekeepers. And as long as I was demonizing the masculine, I had a foot on my feminine. So it was coming coming to peace with my own inner masculine and accepting, okay, I've created this role for myself as a single parent and a business owner and somebody who's willing to get out in front often because nobody else is, right? That or or at least not uh, well, a movement yeah. that I <laughs> that I can follow or or get behind. I learned that early on that I had to create my own movements so that I don't go and argue with another leader, right? Because I've got a different vision. Well, Beth, if you've got such a strong vision, then you get out and lead. I would rather have men do it. <laughs> I really would. But I'm also at peace with God is calling me this way and and, and this is what I can do. So so by by uh, embracing, that's a flaky way to say it, but by coming to peace, by healing the split between my masculine and feminine and, and that strong aversion I had, towards men thinking they were the root of all evil, big fat lie, not true, absolutely not true. Uh, then I started attracting um, powerful men in my world and I wanted to celebrate them and their accomplishments. And I felt like I could help them finally, that I could get off this train of of um, feeling uh, that I, I shouldn't be doing that work or it's just not meant for me or something like that. So it's been a, a beautiful reclamation of that, and I feel my my communities are much more balanced, and there's there's no need to focus on uh, the gender thing, which has been completely <laughs> taken in all the wrong directions with the alphabet gang. But uh, yeah, so that's <laughs> it. it's 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 a natural resource, men and women, and the internal masculine and feminine. It's it's just waiting for us, full full of power. I do a course called Primal Power. In fact, that was created since the pandemic. So to see how people are so confronted by five primary archetypes where we feel like we're going to lose our life, where we're threatened, where we're traumatized. So the masculine feminine is one, the child archetype that's being called on their, their hero's journey up and out of denial, uh, the victim where we so easily get stuck when things don't go our way, when we're facing adversity. 
the prostitute archetype where we're being called to always do the thing that's wrong, immoral, out of integrity with us, or will bring harm to ourselves or another just so we can survive. And also the saboteur archetype that is the place where we find our free will and can merge our will with God's will and not be at the mercy of ourself, shooting ourselves in the foot at every turn because we fear Oof. our own power. Yeah. Yeah. That's that, okay. Can we, can we real quick though, just a quick visual of you have a Venn diagram, right? Of Vesca Pisces and what have you of a, just a few classic male or masculine, sorry, terrible uh masculine uh archetypal and then feminine and then where they interject what the interjecting of those what the the symbiotic uh gushy goodness of those combining together to create that strength in the middle um so so we can kind of like understand that when we're when we're dealing with that in our lives yeah i'm actually going to pull up uh the archetype card that i created for the masculine and feminine and uh so oh, some of this go. may surprise some people, but prob- probably not uh, your your audience that is much more willing to look into reality and uh, and and see the harder things. But you know the the strength and the gifts of the ma- masculine is it, number one doing purposeful work. There's nothing more beautiful than a man sitting and doing his work rather than running after a woman trying to look after them and make sure that that woman's needs are all met. Uh, it's it's him doing his purposeful work. Now it works. It works perfectly in, in, a, in a family setting because that purposeful work will will be to look after that family and and then the uh, the natural thing for that that woman to do is to support that man who is supporting that family so that's one of the things um, you know a, a very natural protection of the vulnerable uh, to transmit energy and messages where the feminine is is much more of a drawing power. Uh, leadership is uh, a masculine role, um, building infrastructure for life to exist in, uh, filling a void with power, whereas the, the feminine creates the void. This is different than the, the way I was using void before, but to create that space, uh, one example is, you know, if the woman's pregnant and then they need an extra room to be able to house an extra child and, and, uh, it's like, honey, we need some renovations around here. And then that's going to create that, that, um, that, opening for the man to then go in and, and fill with with his work and his power and and innovation to make space for that new life. Um, the, you know, the classic just giving and receiving, the masculine being the giving, the the receiving being the feminine. And you can see how no no person could exist with just one of those. It, it's just not like that. You 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 uh, automatically flow between the masculine and the feminine all day long, go into active and passive roles for different purposes. It, it flows naturally as long as it's not uh, super screwed with. Uh, taking a firm stance, having a very spotlight focus compared to uh, the feminine focus, which is more flood-like. So we can uh, typically in, in our feminine pay attention to many things at a one time. Multitasking is easier compared to a man who can really zero in and focus on one thing and get one job done, which is, you can see how both of them are really necessary in the context of a, a life 
bo- both are, are, are really useful. If a woman couldn't multitask, everybody would die, right? <laughs> you just never make it if you couldn't cook, <laughs> cook dinner and protect the child from poking themselves in the eye or whatever at the same time, then you know it just wouldn't work. But if you didn't have the man's ability to zero in and focus and, and get something big done, then all of that floodlight energy would just end up feeling like a lack of uh, focus. Uh, they have spatial wisdom, wow. ability to yeah. navigate. I, yeah, I clearly don't have those superpowers. I get lost really easily. Um, <laughs> taking risks in the world, that's not a feminine thing, right? That's a masculine thing to go out and, and risk disapproval. And it, typically, it's a man just doesn't care. They'll go out and uh, display, okay, here's what I have to offer. I don't care. Take it or leave it. It doesn't matter. Whereas a woman has been at least trained to get approval from people. So much less willing for uh, the woman is much less we- willing to to risk that, but they take risks in the inner world the way that a man doesn't, right? So you can see again the mirror image how perfectly the the two would work together to go into the inner dragons and demons. And uh, you know when I when I work with women to build businesses, they almost always retreat to inner work because it's easier for them than it yeah, is to go yeah. out and uh, right risk rejection and all that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, some of the, the shadows that, that uh, uh, the masculine faces are is ignoring their purpose and the work that they're called for, running after the feminine before they're stable in their own purpose, protecting only self-interest and not expanding out into a, a greater good mentality, uh, withholding energy, withholding their wisdom, uh, filling, trying to fill voids by controlling others, trying to, uh, you know, that's where we get the toxic masculinity thing that I think is completely overblown by far, but it still is, is a thing. Um, giving only to get right where it's not, it's not unconditional giving you, you, you have hidden agendas that I'll give this as long as I can get that. You can see men and women's relationships are completely, um, uh, polluted with with that kind of energy, and it's also we're very influenced by commerce in that respect. That it's all a transaction, uh, giving where there's no reception, giving to say a man trying to give to a woman that's not even open to that, but they keep trying to give it and she keep trying to give it, and she's not receiving, and and that's definitely a shadow where where that uh, persistence would be. Uh, discharging instead of reabsorbing power. So there's, you know, a lot of power coming through a man, but if if you just let it go and blow it out, and I probably don't need to say out loud what what that means, then you're losing and you're you're losing out. You're you're evacuating very very powerful substance in your in your own being. Uh, resisting inner exploration, which must be done. Resisting exploring that feminine and the you know, the hard emotions, uh, the the grief and the apathy and and the fears that a man is much less uh, actually much more likely to suppress and try to rise above it. And when you rise above it, you're really just leaving all of that stuff in the unconscious where it has power over you. Uh, taking risks that have no purpose would be a shadow of the masculine where it's just f- to feel alive or, uh, you know, feel like you are uh, to validate yourself or, or have a, a sensation in, in your system, maybe trying to come up out of, out of feeling numb and zoning out or feeling useless. The, the, that's something that our society has really weaponized against men to make them feel useless. 
the pandemic. Uh, Interesting. Right to, and you see so many caricatures of that on on television. You got the Homer Simpson and uh, a few other things. I don't really watch TV anymore, so I don't have those names top of mind. But uh, and that's very that's been very um, perpetuated by women. Women become perpetrators to men, calling them out that you know you're useless and, and get up and do something. And I have to be the one who makes all the decisions around here. And then a man tries to step into that role, and and then she will crush him in from because she's in the shadow of her masculine, <laughs> uh, right? Like so, it's just a pretty ugly thing. Um, also fearing the feminine call another another shadow of the of the masculine because that femi- that that feminine call is is going to make you die to who you think you are that that is uh, mm. you know that that's the that's the gift that a woman has to offer a man and then of course it, it works both ways that uh, the man uh, has those to offer the women so I'll just see if there's any more shadows or strengths of the of the feminine is uh, seeing seeing a need you know often a man doesn't doesn't see a need it's not their fault it's the woman's job to see that need uh, seeding a solution not to be the one that muscles in and creates a solution but to seed the the um, um, like to plant that seed and and make that start to grow to nurture that seed uh, to um, to receive the power of the masculine, to initiate change, to run the home, right? Very, very traditional kind of a, a, a thing where the, the barefoot and pregnant, that's like, that sounds like heaven to me, actually. Mm-hmm. That sounds like heaven. Whereas in my earlier days, I would be all up in arms and like, oh, that's a knock against women and that they're just supposed to be in the, the kitchen making your dinner and stuff like that. I would love to have that role now, just looking after a man and a family. It'd be amazing. That'd be a huge luxury. Um, so, uh, yeah, move, moving with a lot of flexibility, like water around rather than coming head on with things, finding ways through and around. Uh, leaps of intuition, of course, is a feminine superpower to see things without needing any physical evidence or to have evidence just to to back up the the intuition that's there. The floodlight focus I mentioned, emotional wisdom, right? Where where a man's wisdom lies in in the world and and uh, manip- not manipulating, but engineering the elements and creating infrastructure. The woman has that power to do that on the inside. And heroically answer the masculine's call at the same time. Her shadows being uh, creating artificial or purposeless need, having a man just chase after her, always creating some new level of something that she needs to make her life perfect, and that man's always hired to be there for her and and do that without a strong sense of where it's headed or how it's uh, connected to greater good. Uh, neglecting to seed solutions, just being a victim of uh, the problems, manipulating instead of doing that in an expressed way with clear intentions, uh, creating chaos just to get attention that they're afraid ultimately not to survive, so they create chaos. I kind of did that today, get myself stuck in the snow. I had to call in the masculine tow truck. Um, you know, neglecting house and home, uh, just taking energy rather than receiving energy, very different taking is a sort of violence, um, 
attracting, uh, or pardon me, attaching out of fear of not surviving. You see how many women, I definitely found this inside myself, being attracted to a relationship with a man because of the deep fear of not surviving. That is that is a, a huge feminine shadow that will not give birth to anything good. Uh, receiving a charge, getting turned off, uh, distrusting intuition, getting intuition, but never following it. Emotional recklessness. We've all seen that's kind of a caricature of a, a, a woman out of control. And, uh, and then neglecting the masculine call out of self-protection, seeing how, how partners go to war with each other. And they're always just out for their own self-interest, never actually combining their efforts, working together, knowing that wholeness will be good for everyone. So that's all I got on the, the masculine feminine archetypes. Well, that definitely was covers a lot of area. So <laughs> it's plenty. <laughs> uh, and thank you for that because, um, you know, I think it's like you said, like a lot of it's kind of flipped upside down. And so people may f think they're feeling one way and then, uh, you know, th th they'll be experiencing another. Um, and that's part of the kind of confusion and part of the totalitarian style of control that's happening here on the, on the level. And that can segue us into talking about law and taking action and how archetypes tie into why we take action or why we don't take action. And so you have the Manitoba law group that you've created, uh, like you said, and then you had the choose freedom law summit. What, what are some of like the go-to big things to tell people about those programs and events via law? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, the first big wake up call was seeing that our controllers are breaking all of their own laws. They're, they're doing things that are illegal, like whether it's the making you disclose whether you've been jabbed or not violating the, um, Personal Health Information Act here in Manitoba. There's there's some version of that nearly everywhere you go. Um, uh, you know, forcing you inside, not not providing evidence. So so just looking at all of the illegalities, like oh my god, they actually are breaking their own laws, and then learning the difference between what's legal and what's lawful, and where do our legal rights mm -hmm. come from? It's all our leaders from bills and statutes and orders and all of this. You know, we saw a new health order come down the line every seven days, every 10 days with 48 hours notice, we were on lockdown or all the businesses had to close or you couldn't go here or there without a jab. And, and, uh, they don't, they don't go into the legislature anymore to, to make true law. They just do a press conference, right? And, and then everybody's accepting this. So, the writing was on the wall. I didn't. I didn't want to study law. I never wanted to study law, but I saw that there was a need there. And uh, if they're coming for us, you, you could see it was, it was full lockstep. It was going going forward, and so I just took it upon myself to begin studying with a whole variety of different people. We did host that law summit. And uh, I think there's up to 25 interviews in the summit now. We're we're still going. To tell you the truth, I've uh, while I learned a great deal out of doing all of those interviews, it was disillusioning because, for one, there is a multitude of approaches, none of which I can see at this point really um, 
gain your freedom or get you out of some of the the basic bondage that we're in. For example, with the birth certificate, you might have been hearing this already, how when we were born, they created your birth certificate out of your your, uh, record of live birth. So there was a live event called your birth. And then once they created a birth certificate, they've created an estate for you that they Mm -hmm. never tell us is an estate. And we go all the life long believing that to be ourself, who we are. So every time they ask you, is Victoria Beth Martins there? Then I say, yes, that's me. But I don't realize they're actually trying to make joinder with me so that they can access my estate. Yeah, so basically uh, um, your, your being, your name... Right, not your being. Sorry, that's not <laughs> your being. Is your sovereign goodness, but but the name itself attached to debt and attached to money and attached to the the cloud is is like it's its own business, right? Or some a corporation or something along the lines of that. Yes, exactly. So that's the another point of disillusionment that people don't realize that your government and your police force and really everything in society is a corporation. It's based in commerce law, where we have uh, an internal instinct for common law, which is the unwritten, uncoded law that's just the basic knowledge of right and wrong. As far as you know, and I'm not the expert, by the way. Please don't don't. Um, take my word for everything and stop learning. <laughs> this is a big subject you want to go into for yourself. But, uh, you know, so we mistake ourselves to be in this common law where we expect people to do right. And if they do wrong to, to go and uh, make amends for that or, or get redeemed. But here we are in commerce where everything, where the common law was folded into commerce so that we, we thought that we were still in that version of law, but everything became transactional. Everything became uh, interestingly, very in alignment with the the whole satanic system that was interjected into the Bible in 1611 with King James. Mm. I was going to ask if there was, was a specific timestamp you could put on this, like this kind of uh, switch from common law to commerce law, like, um, and 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 so I was going to ask, yeah, does, does that tie in with 1611, like you were saying? Uh, yes, as far as them installing the the contract that uh, is being held over us uh, in the Bible, because they had to use something that people already trusted, that the Bible has a lot of wisdom and knowledge. God knows it has been totally messed with in a lot of ways. I, I, there's so much in there that doesn't make sense to me either yet, or it never will, uh, But but it was definitely taken over at that time. And uh, created into a new thing, very much run by the the Freemasons of society. And I apologize, I'm not an expert in the in the history of it to be able to tell you everything. But that Bible, I've studied a fair amount this past year, and and see how you know the concept of of sin has been turned into debt. Uh, there might be some truth in there, like because when you do wrong to somebody, you create a debt for them. Right, they have to heal. Maybe you cause them loss. They're going to have to get back to balance their books and and get back to zero, whatever it is. But to to say that we are born in this debt and that we need a human sacrifice to uh, atone for this debt, 
that otherwise we are um, this this is somehow a natural debt. I don't find that in nature. I don't find that in God, right? It's only add. There's no takeaway <laughs> on that side. But here we are locked in this system of commerce where uh, the the baby who's born is born in debt. And and by practical means, they won't survive if there is no uh, influx that they, that. Yeah, it is sickening. Exactly that uh, they they are first. Their parents are indebted with their survival, and then when that child reaches age of majority, then they are indebted with their survival. Uh, some people will say this is a very common narrative in in the the lawful arena that 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 um, birth certificate is actually a trust. And that everything that we need to survive is already in that trust. It's likely true, although there's it's it's hard to say. So, when they come and they charge you for something, in like that's why all the the, the courts are all about charges because it's commerce, and and you got the judge who is basically a cashier. Terrible. Right? I know. I know. And they rigged it so that uh, it's it's all merchant law. Merchant law is is uh, law of the sea. So based back in in the history when everybody was was uh, you know going from continent to continent and and trading and they got into disputes and there's there's a, it's it's good the the basic nuts and bolts of of um, resolving a dispute you 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 do need that at, at uh, small scale not at, at large scale but but then they rigged it so with the birth certificate because the 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 child was not claimed at inception when when uh, the the sperm and the egg came together and life the spark of life happened it wasn't claimed until the child came out of the womb that they made it mean that that child was lost at sea and so they and and considered it to be abandoned cargo and then th- there's some you know this this could all be fiction too so i i don't i don't want to speak with a huge amount of authority there's there's people in my world that, that say this is absolute bullshit what i just said so i don't want to I don't want to. Uh, it's just one a, of the narratives. Or a liter- literary reference that this comes from specifically. Uh, it's so funny how often people ask about a, a certain book in law, and it's 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 not really out there. Uh, yeah. There should be, maybe there will be, given it, it's it's a not a it's not right, right right to say that it's a new movement. People, there's people out there that have been into it for decades, but not necessarily having breakthroughs. Uh, you know, There's in, in America, getting for- arrested for this in court for trying to claim sovereignty, including one of my really good friends' father went to prison for um, wow. bringing this up in his town in Idaho. Um, oh, sorry, Iowa. Um, and this oh, could have been at least a decade ago, more, more than a decade ago. You know, and. So it's like they've been silencing it for a long time. So I'm not surprised there's not a book. Not surprised there's not one specific for a uh, form of you know uh, this this quote unquote evidence, I guess if you would call it that. But law is esoteric, and no no doubt about it. It may not be ancient esoteric, uh, but it, it's 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 hidden. It's suppressed. Yes. It's totally a cult, exactly. That we should all learn in kindergarten how to navigate our estate, and that there, you know, because it could be, it could be to the benefit of society if it wasn't all occulted and used against us. 
uh, one, one of the people that I studied with called us pagans. We're the ones who pay again because our trust is paying for everything for us to live, but then they go and they, they, they bill us again. And you can see how they're not true bills. They're actually statements reflecting that the bill has been paid, but we just don't know. So, you know, and then they send the collection agency after us and then they freeze our bank account and we're like, oh, okay, I have to pay. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of smoke and mirrors and we live in a bankrupt system. The, the countries are bankrupt. Uh, right now they're doing this massive reset. They did the pandemic just so that they could switch o change o on the economies. Right. Our money is debt. It's not, it's not actual abundance. It's, it is debt. We've just been uh, working for something that, that uh, we thought to be something that it's not. And, uh, you know, so you, the, the, the big thing that I've taken out of this, the big alight in enlightenment in law is the difference between man-made laws and God's law. And as far as I'm concerned, you barely need any man-made laws. Now it's useful to put up a traffic light and, and to, to have some kind of penalty for going through the traffic light because you literally might kill someone if you're, if you didn't see them coming and you have a head on collision. That, that would be totally irresponsible. So those kind of things I don't argue with, right? That those things make sense, but it's crimes without harm. And, uh, mm-hmm. and especially Victimless when it comes crimes. to all the risks. Victimless crimes, exactly the the whole uh, nature of of uh, civil law without without victims is uh, is just a bunch of BS, and it's it's pushing pushing things around, controlling people. Now we're in a very extreme side of it where they're micromanaging. I, I remember reading one of our last health orders when they started mandating uh, children couldn't go to arts and crafts and music lessons without a double vaccination. And that level, right, that level of micromanagement through law, that's satanic, right? They're, they're not actually looking to protect anyone. That's the narrative, of course, that is this that's is protecting. bare minimum everybody. psychotic. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you got it. Exactly. It's disgusting. It's, it's like, how dare you have any even thought about the, the, the private life of a child and how they should navigate that's that's not the role of the government, right? Governments were originally created to serve people, but but uh, is it is it that people were first of all just you know very much lied to? <clears throat> they were frauded. We don't know about our our corporate account or how to navigate it. We're never given any skills with that. We're dealing with hungry ghosts, right? This goes very much. I, I work a lot with the king archetype, as you can tell on the hero's journey, and uh, the psychopaths we're dealing with are those. Uh, hungry ghosts. It doesn't matter how much power and control they get. It only leaves them wanting more. That's why they never give back benefits and privileges. They only take them away. Uh, they often start with bribery, trying to get us into the the prostitute archetype. We'll we'll, we'll take the hundred bucks or the cannabis or the donut or whatever it was to to harm ourselves, And when that doesn't work, then they start removing privileges. So I can't go anywhere in Babylon right now that's not an essential service. If it's not deemed essential, I don't get to go to a concert or a football game or to a movie or to a restaurant or, you know, any, any of that kind of stuff. I'm not welcome in, in uh, society anymore. Thank God, actually, I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. Yeah. uh, 
And then just to come back to that point that to me, what I'm extremely serious about following and knowing is, is God's law. And God's law is very simple. It's extremely simple. It's basic right from wrong that even a baby can learn. They know it inside. That law is written on your heart. It's not something that anybody has to teach you, although you'll get reflections when you hurt somebody, it, it'll come back on you. There is a, you know, a karmic nature to all of that kind of thing. And, and uh, we're meant to be responsible with our power so we don't bring harm to e- uh, each other, whether knowingly or unknowingly. If you did it innocently, then you can be forgiven, you can make amends. And what a simple life. You know, we went camping this last summer and the the park police, actually it was the summer before, the park police weren't allowed to come in the park anymore because of COVID. They're all scared of COVID. So the park police don't come anymore. Well, it was the best camping ever because why? We just made our way. We figured stuff out. If there was conflict, it was just handled in, in conversation. In, in simple negotiations, we don't need police to lord over us. Although we need our police compared with the, to, uh, you know, like the UN that they they want to drive in. So now we love our police more uh, than than I did before, anyway. And uh, you know, so it's just where does authority come from? This is the thing people don't have. You can learn a lot of this stuff intellectually and and know a lot, but then all of a sudden you're in a situation and you bow to that authority because you're afraid he has a gun and, and you should be afraid. He's got a weapon. You don't want to uh, you know, in, incite him or anger him or be disrespectful. Uh, another very valuable part of this is, is learning to walk in honor. So even when you are taking strong action or offensive action, going on the offense is a better way to say that, that you're maintaining in honor, you're never attacking, you're not being vexatious, you're not wanting to cause harm like like your perpetrator is. Even though you're you're uh, being harmed, you have to stay in honor because it's between you and your soul. That's what matters at the end of the day, whether you did right or you did wrong. But you can still protect and defend yourself uh, your God-given rights, which you really effectively don't have if you don't stand up for them, and go against these guys, uh, chopping at the head of the snake is what what uh, a small group of us have, have chosen to do here. Uh, apologies, I can't say much about it yet in public. I will be able to, but uh, not at this time. And it's part of staying in honor is actually not to go out and... Uh, uh, you know, be all in bravado about it and try to scare or threaten people. We actually want them to come into honor with us. We want them to see the error of their ways, to make amends and stop perpetrating. That's the highest outcome. So, so we come not uh, with uh, a weak position. It's actually a very strong position. We 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 worked like uh, crazy for five months to create something that was going to be. Uh, uh, have integrity in itself, and uh, you know you can you can research any little bit of this document that we created, and it holds water. And we went and we screenshot every little bit of evidence that was found on the internet because they're busy scrubbing the evidence as fast as it's found. Uh, you oh, know, yeah. like we uh, we invested tons in this and we don't know what's going to come of it but what's already come of it is uh is a sense of power not power over but a, a power and a confidence inside myself that i could do something that frightened me 
and uh, is a risk. You don't know what's going to come of it. You have no idea. These guys are all, like I said, breaking their own rules already. So, um, but it, uh, but the the thought of doing nothing was unacceptable. That's tacit consent, tacitly agreeing to be harmed, and I won't have any part of it anymore. Absolutely, sign me up. You know, I'm I'm one with it. Like I I just had my 30th birthday in October. Um, oh, good for you. And it was it was you know like I always knew it was going to be a big deal. Even when I like was younger, I was always like. I don't know what it is about 30, but something's going to happen. I, I can't fucking take it anymore. Like I, I, you know, I got to do this podcast. I got to do more. I have to be as vocal as I can about anything. And I need mm. to understand what I can do to try and, and make things better in the world, at least on, on like a local community level. But it's seeming that with my, cause I move around a lot and I have a pretty vast community up here on the West coast that I'm finna make some moves, whether it's going and I'll die for the cause. You know what I mean? Mm, wow. Absolutely. No, no wow. doubt. No doubt. But there is an issue. Um, so I have an issue with the court system there. We're just not, you know, the best of friends. And I want to know more about how to go about this, you know, at least like maneuvering my language um, when I'm, you know, like in a situation because I've been trying to get my passport for over a year now. Um, and my name legally got changed when I was like, you know, 11 years old. Um my mom married a man, but then those papers got lost. And I, you know, I might have gotten in some trouble with the law from time to time when I was younger. And I feel like they just don't want to give me my passport, but I've signed multiple affidavits to get uh, you know, to to send them back into the passport office because they're like, oh yeah, we're we're doing your, you know, application to send these affidavits in since your last name got changed. Did that, witnesses signed it, you know, so on and so forth. I've sent four of them and they're still not giving it to me. And I, it's, it's really interesting because I want my passport. I need it. I got to have it. And I, I feel like it's something tied with my corporation, my business, my, my birth certificate that they just don't want to give it to me. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, I, I don't, have uh, any advice for you, but that's a standard thing you're going to hear that that nobody gives any legal advice. Um, I, I had a little bit of a battle getting my son's passport recently. They they actually came through with it, but uh, yeah. So I don't I don't know enough about the situation. But if you wanted to, for example, come into the Choose Freedom Law Summit community, where there are a lot of people who have different experience, and I've seen I've seen people help each other. Uh, there's uh, Alphonse Fagiolo in in America actually might be a really good resource for you. He's on Telegram and he's been on our summit. I've interviewed him on the King Hero's journey probably two or three times now as well. And uh, he gets a lot of results for people in in America that that are uh, you can't take the same path in Canada. We have a different thing going on. We don't have a constitution. It was never ratified in Canada. That's another big uh, occulted fact here about Canada. Super but you guys have lot, yeah, you guys have a lot more to fall back on there with just appealing to the constitution. So I would definitely get on Alphonse's Telegram, ask him questions. He's so generous also in giving his help, and I see him on his group all the time helping people and and getting results. So that would be 
a way to do it. Um, it's it's not a bad idea just to come on the the Truth Freedom Law Summit and see all the different approaches and how we very often get tricked into being that straw man, being that corporate account, making joinder. You know, when you when you look at laws and you see, well, my rights should be uh, held up by this act or that bill or this you know covenant. But when you look at it, it it actually only applies to the legal fiction. Well, that fiction, it's it's called fiction for a reason. It doesn't exist. There's nothing there. It doesn't ever protect a living man or woman. And that's that's who we are. And we we all yeah. we always yeah. are yeah. looking for yeah. titles and we, and that passport. By the way, you only need that to go through a port. You don't need that to go into another country. You need that to go into a port. Right, it, it, there's nothing illegal about going to another country without documentation. It's if you want to go through their airport or go through their train station or go through their customs, that's when you need that passport. That's when you need the corporate account to to uh, verify your identity. But now I know it's annoying to travel without going through an airport because you probably don't have your own private airplane. But um, anyway, just so a that's little how bit they of do it. They do. Passport. That's why the port is there. The term mm-hmm. "airport" and "passport." Those mm-hmm. mother. Oh, I, I silence. It's okay. It's fine. It's okay. <laughs> One day at a time, Beth. One day I, at a time. I know. Goodness. Yeah, really, Goodness. Yeah, yeah. It really does bring up anger. It's it's actually a beautiful illustration of uh, the hero's journey that starts with a child in in a kind of denial or sleep, a little bit comfortable under the covers. And then you learn something and you're willing to get mad. That's the first thing you do is get mad, go into the rebel archetype. And and then you go into the warrior archetype that might be more about learning and educating and building out some infrastructure yes. and community yes. around this. And uh, and then taking it you know, with the next two archetypes, the lover and the hedonist, to really taking it to uh, God and being being that that uh, soul that is uh, like that that birth certificate has nothing to do with and man-made laws have nothing to do with at all. It's really between you and your soul's contract that moves you into the king where you really start taking leadership and congratulations for getting out there, taking your steps to do that, taking radical responsibility, helping a whole kingdom thrive. And uh, and then and then finally coming into that alchemist archetype where we can do the majority of our work within and have the circumstances show up outside of ourself based on the the bravery that you have to to do that inner work. So there, I, I managed to get the whole hero's journey in there. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful, yeah. It is such a. I mean, it's a vast world. Um, that sea of law that. Uh, you know that it's 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 boggling, and and that's the overcompartmentalization of the system that is you know basically set in place to be as confusing as possible, and the the, the verbiage, the terms, the the small little niche word plays. <laughs> I mean, granted, mm-hmm. it's all there in front of us intuitively, and you know. Um, intellectually as well you know you 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 can really study it but also it's very intuitive i mean if you were just to think about the word passport and airport i mean it there at some point it would click to your intuition right you don't need to study law to to really do that but common sense um common sense law right which may be god's law um the understanding of 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 
true nature of common sense has been kind of weeded out of society. And so we find ourselves a lot of time in, in utter confusion because common sense is not really the first like deplorable, um, you know, fallback that we have. It's, it's more of like fight or flight to just kind of grasp onto any sort of understanding of something in the moment. Uh, but, you know, with constructive criticism, you know, being so harsh and, and, and not being PC and, you know, all these things and being super supremely sensitive in society too, which is just, you know, happened through societal engineering over, you know, long periods of time during this, this mud flood area, you know, which is just erasing of history and erasing of understanding, um, and erasing of knowledge, uh, yeah, like it's 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 quite a wild ride, and and you know I myself I think I have a lot of um, imbalance within my uh, and I'm working on it. It's 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 hard to work on these things because you know life is busy, but I think I actually have more uh, feminine um, flood type brain uh, <laughs> archetype. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, word vomit there. Uh, but I, I believe a lot more my feminine side is activated because my focus that would be naturally more on the uh, strength of the masculine side is, is hard sometimes for me. And I, I think I have a, I think I have an imbalance that I, you know, I've been trying to work on. It's, it's been difficult for me though. Well, good for you for, for working on it at all. Cause uh, a lot of people just retreat into, total denial and numbing out and uh but at some point you can't do that the the pain of of uh awakening is lesser than the pain of sleeping and and you got to move forward <laughs> yeah you, you know in those dreams of sleep that the sleep dreams they seem like reality but i assure you they're not mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. exactly <laughs> exactly yep that's what the bible says you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free Oh, goodness. I'm on your page, uh, the Choose Freedom Law Summit page right now on mm -hmm. off, uh, a tab off of your Beth Martin's page. And I'm looking at all of these people that join you and um, you and Matt on this summit. And there's a lot. Uh, do they all have content when you purchase this package? Uh, yes, there's uh, an interview with with every one of those speakers. In some cases, I think there was two with Alphonse Fagiolo. There might have been a second, or no, Paul enslaved. He had to cancel. But uh, yeah, so there's um, uh, up to a two hour interview for each of those speakers. Some of them provided documentation of of uh, certain kinds. Uh, many of them have their own movements, like Mark Patelic and David Jason Giaramita have their own law movements. So you can go and join up with them, often for very little money and uh, get their education in the back end. Um, so, yep, there's lots of resources there. We do regular, uh, at least monthly bonuses, looking for other speakers to to bring some value to the table. Uh, you know, it, it can be confusing because you have divergent approaches and opinions, but if you take it into your own hands and allow yourself to be creative with it and think through for yourself what actually rings true, you know, there's a lot of people out there, for example, trying to reclaim that trust. They think that they are owed all of that money. And it could very well be true. They've been harvesting our labor, labor since birth and, and trading our birth certificate uh, value on the stock exchange and all that kind of thing. So yes, there has been a massive fraud and theft, 
but I'm not uh, personally motivated to go and reclaim that trust. I want to be left alone. I want to have uh, a, a life on God's earth. And um, that's all. That's all I want. I yes, just want to be left so alone. Simple. You know, so simple. And I, and I've been totally criticized for that approach too, but um, you know that's that's okay. That's that's everybody. Everyone has to do their own thing. Uh, I I can't even like a hundred percent endorse anybody. I just want to say that as as disclaimer, I can't say just because we hosted them on the summit means that I'm fully down with them and and fully trust and go put your hands, put yourself in their hands. Rather, uh, don't do that. Put yourself in your own hands. One of the big lessons that I've learned is that uh, we all have to find our way to this path of freedom. And it's going to look different for every single person, what you're either able to do or what you are, you know, the, the circumstances that you have around you. Community is everything. So gathering people to do this work with is a super, super important move. So you're not just uh, in a rat trap going around in circles. I think we had so, so much good feedback about the, the, the law summit because it did bring community together. We've got a, a telegram channel where uh, 1100 people are having a conversation, not all at once. <laughs> and uh, wow. so, yeah, it's, it's wow. useful. If there's any listeners in Manitoba, we do host the Manitoba lawful action group with a, a weekly meeting just to get people's education up. You know, first we, we ran out and really looked for others to join us in a movement in an action, pardon me. And, uh, and, and they would come in and they had intentions, but they'd get scared and run away pretty much a hundred percent of them. So that's why I created the group as a place to just begin the education and, and begin helping each other. It's, um, time is of the essence, but you still can't replace, you know, I had one of my uh, local experts come on the other day and he said, yeah, 65 years and I'm still learning in this field. And yes, like, oh, that's yes. humbling, right? <laughs> He's been helping a lot of people, uh, as well. So there's, there's always something that you can do. And if you align yourself with the source of where all of this is coming from, and you have a, a deep, intimate relationship with that, then it does bring about magic occurrences. I could just tell you a really quick story, and then probably need to start wrapping up. But um, this, you know, it's, it's very, it's very little and big at the same time. I got pulled over when I was with my son, because I had, um, I was going behind a a truck and they were driving really slow and I was feeling impatient. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to pass this guy. Oh, look, he's slowing down even more, definitely passing this guy. So as I pass him, I realize he's a cop. And uh, it's like, oh, Beth, that's probably a mistake what you just did. And so lo and behold, the the, uh, the lights go on and he's pulling me over. So he comes up to the car and he says, uh, are you okay? And I'm like, uh, yes, officer, why do you ask? He said, because you just ran a stop sign. And I'm like, oh my God, I just, I just passed a cop running a stop sign. How boner move can I, could I get? Uh, so then he goes uh, to me, he says, could I have your license and your registration, please? So I looked down at my purse and my head, you know, after a year of studying this stuff is, is uh, doing all this uh, little calculations. And at that moment I said, Beth, just don't do anything. Don't try anything. You're not in any shape for this. Just take the ticket and, and be humble. And so I went and I got my license and my registration and I was going to put it in his hand, but suddenly my hand moved and I put it on the dash of my car instead. Because I know that when you put that license in the hand of the cop, you're making joinder with them. You're giving, 
you're giving them the right to charge your card. <laughs> we don't realize that's a charge card, what it would just happen when you put it in their hands. So I put, and, and this actually was no conscious thought whatsoever. It was literally God moving my hand. I had already decided to let him charge me. And, and yet there was some other force that happened and my hand moved. So he goes around the corner and he looks through the dash at the car, at, at my driver's license and then he came around the corner and he said, okay, ma'am, you're free to go like this. No explanation, not like, oh, I'm going to let you easy off this time and just don't be, you know, reckless driving anymore, anything. He just said, you're free to go. And and that, so there's three things that could have worked. One is he genuinely felt sorry for me, didn't, didn't express that. So that, that can happen. Uh, two is that on my driver's license, I have the words uh, over my signature without prejudice. This means if, and it only means this, if you know how, how to use it and how to work with it, because words, words won't protect you, but the, the knowledge does. And it means that I don't agree to perform in your contract and I reserve all of my rights. Because as soon as I sign that contract, it, it is giving up all of my rights. That's, that's what creates the, the financial, um, uh, transactability, for lack of a better way to say that, your signature, we, we, we are like prostitutes with our signature, putting them on everything. You should always qualify your signature so you don't give up your rights in the process. So he could have seen that and uh, realized that it would be difficult to make joinder with me or that I could make it difficult for him if I wanted to. Wow. And so, all, yeah, yeah. So then it was just like, you're free to go. Oh, okay. Something very interesting happened there. And I've had other experiences that were not necessarily dealing head to head with the law, but dealing with an authority, someone who's like, you have to put a mask on or something. And I've seen things come through me that weren't the right scripted thing to say, but they worked for me perfectly in that moment. And I, I stayed in honor, I got my needs met, and that person didn't enforce their will on me. You know, so it's it just little clues about how those things can happen. And, uh, and we'll see, I'll have more news at the end of uh, December or so, how things are going with the action that we're taking. Wow, that's big, that's big stuff, especially the, uh, the, you know, the story with you putting your license in the dash. That's, that's incredible. I mean, that's dreamy is what it is. And I'm going to, uh, you know, obviously take it into my own hands to just dive deep into this stuff as well, because it's, it's overdue time. Uh, honestly, I've been hearing about, you know, sovereign rights and, and claiming lost sovereignty and, and for, uh, almost a decade now. And so I'm, it's about time that I really actually step up to the plate. Um, it's super important, supremely important for the future, I believe. Um, and, Beth, uh, mm -hmm. thank you. It's almost been, it has been two hours uh, due to our mm -hmm. first little chunk that got separated there. Um, this has been great. We covered a lot of ground. Um, you know, you have a, you have a great, great set of information. You're an amazing human. And uh, I, I just want to, I want to thank you so much and maybe uh, get you on again at another time. Uh, talk about some more deeper archetypal stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, I just, uh, uh, hope you have a beautiful day and maybe tell the people where they could find you and, 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 uh, any other plugs you want to have here. 
Okay. Thank you for having me. I'd love to come back. It's been a wonderful conversation. Totally enjoyed it. And uh, just since we were talking about the Law Summit, it is up by donation. It was free for the first six weeks when we were completing the the, the base of it. And now it's on, on donation. Uh, so for as little as 10 bucks, you can get access to all of those interviews as downloads, both audio and video and any documents that uh, the speakers provided as well. So uh, for having said that, if anybody out there can't afford the smallest donation, then just uh, reach out to me. You can email me beth at bethmartins.com and just let me know. We're not trying to keep this out of the hands of anyone. It was just uh, Matt and I put incredible amounts of time and energy into it. And we're very grateful for the way that people have donated. Um, you can also, if you're wanting to follow up with the archetype work, you can visit my website, bethmartins.com, as you said, and do a 10-minute quiz, either the Merpreneur's Journey, which is more geared towards women who want to be valued for their life purpose, and the King Hero's Journey, more for men who want to survive their hero's journey. But they're actually the same archetypes, similar questions. So one of those quizzes will let you know where you are on the path of purpose and give you some insight about where you might be losing your energy at this time. So that's a good way to go. Um, my book is there also. It's uh, called Journey a map of archetypes to find lost purpose in a sea of meaninglessness. And this is the enemy, as I talked about before. So if you can find meaning and purpose and connection in your life, which is actually synonymous, purpose and connection are the same, or almost the same, you can't have one without the other, then that book will be uh, a useful read. I've got amazing feedback. I published it just five minutes before everything went kerflui in our world. I'm really grateful for that because otherwise I may not have finished it. Tell you the truth, it's such a monumental kind of a thing. So there's not a word in there about the pandemic and that's why, but uh, nonetheless, I still appreciate it uh, and, uh, and get that good feedback from people. I will be in the new year offering a primal power course that includes the masculine feminine archetype, the child, the victim, the prostitute, and the saboteur because they are very specially weaponized against us and it is time for people to find the source of their own power, how to exercise it. Uh, it will likely be law-focused, by the way, not educating people about the law so much as helping them let the fear of taking lawful action go because that's what I see people, people know what to do. They've got guidance and support for doing it, and they still don't do it. To me, that speaks of the same mystery that I was uh, facing when I was losing my life, some kind of unseen enemy within that uh, just needs to come to light and uh, have your love and, and uh, see that it actually has no power over you. You have all the power. So I think that's pretty much it. Yes. I do offer mm, I do offer that journey code coaching certification. I train coaches to do this work of uh, helping people to heal and release and deprogram the that disorder that we're infected with and to go on their hero's journey and uh, to become a, a powerful helper and be valued for that as well because times like this they they pull the helpers out but the helpers also are very vulnerable to breakdowns and overwhelm and uh, helping everybody not knowing who you're really meant to be helping. So that's the nurturer archetype. And um, that's something I'm, I'm just in my third round of that now, and there will probably be another one starting in the new year. So I think that's more or less all. And again, if you're in Manitoba, the Manitoba Lawful Action Group exists. You can just hit a tab on my, on my website there to sign up with your email and that gets you into the, um, telegram group as well where we have our meetings beautiful thank you so much beth um 
And everybody, uh, as you already know, if you haven't yet, ain't no time like the present to wake up. Yeah, I 